<laughs> eh, eh, eh. They don't teach you that one at Bible school. <laughs> oh, how fun is that? Oh, I have enjoyed this series. Have you enjoyed this series? I hope you have. The fact that God misses you and he wants you back. Hopefully, you know, the reality is sometimes that's a, a sermon that's preached to people that aren't here because God misses you and he wants you back and he still misses you. But hopefully today we're going to be a little encouraged that God still has not given up on us. I don't know if it quite looks like that. Um, they might drink water. I don't even know about that. But you do need to know that God loves you. Every one of you here this morning, God loves you. And God also loves your friends. Be encouraged that God is still alive. He's not in the back corner shaking about everything that's going on in society today, wondering what's wrong with my world. No, he is pressing forward. He's moving forward. He's confident in his plans and his purposes. And his will will be done on this earth as it is in heaven. So I just want to encourage you in that. God is not dead. He surely is alive. Hallelujah. I wanted to share this thank you card from Jonathan Moore. Jonathan Moore, many of us have supported him to make it down to California for his missions trip down there. Pretty much the whole summer doing incredible things down there. This is what he says to you. I hope you can receive this as encouragement um, and love from Jonathan. He says, Dear LifeSpring Foursquare, thank you so much for your support this summer. It has been such a blessing to grow up in such a generous and loving family. I'm always encouraged and edified whenever I return for a weekend. Thank you for taking my family into the church and continuing to love and support them. You all have been a constant reminder of what it looks like to live in service of Jesus Christ through service you provide to your community. I thank God for everything he has taught me through living amongst you. I want to encourage you all to live continuously like Acts 2 Church. Continue to grow in fellowship as believers and seek Jesus in all aspects of your life. Praise God for LifeSpring being in Milton, Edgewood area. Thank you all for your support. Love, Jonathan Moore. Amen. Amen. Yeah, absolutely. Jesus, you have given us permission to pray in your name. You've given us permission to ask anything according to your will. We right now pray boldly in your name that Jonathan's knee would be healed. We have a confidence that that's what you would do right now because of who you are. Just be who you are. Do what you do. <laughs> move in the ways that you move. Heal our friend. In your name we pray. Amen. Amen. Well, today we continue our summer series, Post-it Notes from God. Um, these are some amazing drawings from our own Ernie Matson. Ernie, would you raise your hand? Ernie Matson. he draws incredible drawings. And I said, Ernie, would you draw me something about, you know, that God's love for his creation and that he misses us. And here he has drawn some incredible uh, drawings of what Jesus has done for us and, and as the sinners come back to him and, and the love letter uh, from God, uh, including um, Isaiah and John and James and Acts. So here's the deal. You're going to have to come up here and look at it after the service is done. It really is that beautiful. And uh, here, Psalm 17, I hear a just cause, O Lord, 
Give heed to my cry, give ear to my prayer, which is not from deceitful lips. Amen. Ernie, you are a talented man. Thank you, thank you, thank you so much for sharing your gift with us. And it's truly, though, and I love, the, the, the reason I love, especially this one, is it, it's just full of Scripture, full of the Word of God. And, and as we've been going through this post-it notes from God series, it's this idea that God is speaking to us. Do you believe that God is speaking to us? These little messages every day, throughout the day, minute by minute, moment by moment, day by day, these messages from God. And He speaks them by His Word. He speaks them by His Spirit. And one of the reasons we're here this morning is because we also know that he speaks those messages by who? By the body, by the family, by brothers and sisters in Christ. I need you to know this. God is not dead. He's still alive and he's still speaking. And he's not just speaking out there somewhere in the distance. He's speaking right here, right now, speaking to each one of us if we are willing to listen. And the month of June really has been this journey of discovering God's heart for the world. If you missed either of the last two Sundays, I'd encourage you to go to our podcast, listen to the messages. The heart of these messages has been very simple. That the creator misses his creation. The creator misses his creation. Where sin has separated us from God through the death and resurrection of Jesus, we have been given away back to the Father. Where sin has separated us, Jesus solved the problem by paying the penalty for our sins, removing our sins on the cross. And for those who choose to believe in Him, put their faith in Him, they are now brought back into a love-right relationship with our Heavenly Father. Two weeks ago, we looked at the story of the prodigal son, a wonderful story that showed us if we turn back to God, what does God do? As we turn, He comes running. He comes running. When he sees his son or his daughter far off, he comes running. What does he do? He embraces you. He hugs you. He kisses you. He says, we're going to throw a party because look, my son, my daughter, that which was lost is now found. Last Sunday, we took it one step further. Last Sunday, we saw that sometimes we do not turn like that prodigal son. Instead, we stay in the world, right? We continue to feed the pigs, wandering from our father, fleeing from his presence. But we saw how our Heavenly Father is the hound of heaven. You remember that? The hound of heaven. And His strong feet surely follow us, as the poet Thompson writes. We saw the story of the shepherd where he leaves the 99 to go after the one. We saw the story of the lost coin where he turns on the lights. He sweeps the house. He looks diligently for that lost coin. We see that Jesus diligently seeks us. And it is a really good thing to know that our God is really, really good at pursuing us and finding us. Hallelujah. Amen. Now, the past two Sundays have been an opportunity for us to look inward, and I think that's healthy, to look inward, to identify and evaluate areas in our life where we are that prodigal son, where we might be that lost coin, where we might be that wandering sheep. But today, I want to broaden our thoughts and our perspectives a little bit wider and greater beyond ourselves, that we might look at God's love, His pursuing love, His passion for our loved ones, His passion for our family. His passion for our friends. His passion for the world. But before we go any further, let's pray. Lord Jesus, it is good to be in your house this morning. Wow, it is incredible to know that you are here. One thing remains, your love. Your love never fails. Your, ne your love never fails. Your love never fails. We thank you, Jesus, for your amazing love. In your name we pray. Amen. Amen. As a pastor, one of the common things I hear from you and others is the heartbreak and the passion that you have for those in your life, whether they be family, friends, co-workers, classmates, that you have this yearning desire for them to know Christ. 
You want the people in your life, those who matter most to you, your loved ones, to be saved from their sins and given eternal life in Jesus. Well, today I believe that God would want to encourage you with some good news. God loves your loved ones more than you do. Did you know that? God loves your loved ones more than you do. And as much as he has pursued and found you, he's got some energy left. (laughs) And he wants to find them too. You need to know that. God loves them more than you do. This is important. Whatever you think you have for those around you, whatever love or passion you think you have for those that are close to you, I want you to know God's love for them is greater. Sometimes... As we see those close to us wandering in the chaos of life, we get so convinced that there is no one, I mean no one, who will ever be able to reach them for Christ. So what do we do? We say they are lost and they need to be found, so we convince ourselves, you know what I'm going to do? I'm just going to go to the closet, I'm going to go put on my superhero savior costume, and I'm going to go into the chaos, and I will save them. You ever try that? It's what pastors describe as having a savior complex. You are the fourth member of the Trinity. That you feel it is up to you to save the world. But this morning you need to know as much as you love people, God loves the world much more than you do. And he's much better at saving people than you are. God loves the world. And his love is so great that he actually has a rescue plan to save the world from their sins. He misses his creation, including your loved ones, and he wants them back. Do you believe that this morning? Shaky, right? We don't know if we really do. Because unfortunately, sometimes our view of God is kind of small. Due to a lack of faith, we begin to view God as this tiny, impotent, irrelevant, ineffective, uninvolved God. We forget who He actually is. We forget that He is actually a very big God who created the universe, an all-knowing God, an all-powerful God who is perfect in all His ways. And saving people, that's what He does. And He's really, really good at it. So you can put your trust and faith in John 3, 16, 17. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world but to save the world through him. Do you believe that, church? It's a message. It's a mission of salvation. In the Gospel of Luke, he says, For the Son of Man came to seek and to save the lost. First Timothy 1 Timothy 1.15, it is a trustworthy statement deserving full acceptance. That means you can trust this and you can accept it. That Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners. Can you trust that and accept that message? He came to the world to save sinners. When the angel of the Lord appears to Joseph, listen to what the angel says. She, Mary, she will bear a son and you shall call his name Jesus. And he will what? Say it with me. He will save his people from their sins. You might need to turn down my mic a little bit so I can talk a little louder. (laughs) Church, that is who he is and that is what he does. He is the savior of the world. So be encouraged. Be encouraged. Your heavenly father loves your brother. Your heavenly father loves your sister. Your heavenly father loves your spouse. Your heavenly father loves your classmate. Your heavenly father loves your boss. Much more than you do. Much more than you even give God credit for. And out of his love, out of his plan, he has sent his son Jesus to die for them. He knows them by name, and he's really, really good at finding that which is lost. Some of you need to hear this this morning. God still saves. 
He is still the Savior of the world. One of my favorite songs says that Jesus is the great Savior King. But remember, and this is important, especially for some of you that have been Christians a long time. Listen up, Christians. Listen up, Christians. He is the Savior, not you. Now, as Christians, we understand we do have a part to play in God's salvation plan. We learn from Scripture that we are God's representatives on this earth. 2 Corinthians 5.20 says, We are therefore Christ's ambassadors, as though God was making his appeal through us. Amen. God is making his appeal through us. God's rescue mission on this earth is made known through us. We're called ambassadors. We are called light. We are called to tell the world about Jesus. At the end of the Gospel of Matthew, we all know this, Jesus calls us disciples and he says, disciples go, make more disciples, baptize them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. Teach them to obey the commands that I have given you. And every one of us as Christ followers, we understand this. This is the commission that we have. We accept the commission to be a part of God's rescue plan. But what I've observed much too often is this. Men and women of God, mighty men and women of God, trying to come up with their own salvation plan. And after coming up with your own plan, you begin your own journey of saving people. And as you're on your own journey of saving people, what do you do? You ask God to come along. You kind of put God in your back pocket and you pull him out to do his little magic trick whenever you need God to do something for you. You ever tried that before? This is what I'm going to do, and this is how I'm going to do it. Oh, no, I need God to help me do what I want to do and how I want to do it. But I want to remind us again, God loves them more than you do, and he already has a plan of salvation for the world, including your loved ones. So you might today, right now in this uh, beautiful service, you might need to lay down your little plan that you've drawn up. And instead, this is important, you might need to seek the Lord. Not just Christian, no, I'm going to seek the Lord. Actually, seek the Lord and ask him, God. How might I play a part in your plan, in your mighty, powerful, effective plan of salvation? I know this week as I was walking through this message, the Lord said, Dan, you need to say this out loud. Not my will be done, but your will be done. Not my plan be done, but your plans be done. Sounds great, but we have a really hard time doing that, don't we? We come up with our own plan. And we do this, by the way, because we really love our loved ones. And that's a good thing. But we also really don't trust God, and that's a bad thing. We don't trust His plan. And so, out of our fear for our loved one, the fear that they will never know Jesus, we grab back the reins of life, try to regain control, and we begin to focus our will and force our desires and our passions and our plans for that person instead of surrendering, yielding to God's beautiful plan of redemption and salvation. And again, we do this because we love them. These are people that are closest to us, right? And that's why this message right now, as, as I'm speaking, you're thinking of people in your life that you have a heart and a passion for. These are the ones who you experience life with, right? These are the ones when you look across the room, your heart just begins to beat for them. Because you know what it's like to be a Christian. You know the joy of having life in Jesus Christ. You know the joy of having God's presence with you at all times. And then you look across the room and you see that loved person, that person that you would do anything for. And you see that they do not have the joy of having a Savior in their life. They do not have the joy of having His presence in their life. They, 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 you know they do not have the joy of being saved from their sins. So what happens? I mean, we're, we're good people, right? What happens? A passion rises up within us. 
But unfortunately, what do we do? We put on superhero savior suit, try to take control of the situation. And there's striving and there's effort to save them by yourself instead of yielding to God's plan to save. Okay, Pastor Dan, I'm tracking with you, but then what, what are we supposed to do then? Am I just supposed to sit on my hands and do nothing? Well, you might not like this answer. Maybe. Or maybe not. Maybe. Maybe not. Because it all depends on what God wants you to do. The Lord asks us all to do different things at different times. Sometimes he asks us to speak, like when he told Moses, go to Pharaoh, yeah, I know it's dangerous, I know it's scary, and yeah, he might just smite you right there, but go to Pharaoh and tell him, let my people go. But then later on, he tells these same people, these Israelites, he says, you know what, be quiet. He says, I'm going to fight for you. All you need to do is what? Be silent. Sometimes he challenges us, he says, go, take the land, or go, take down Jericho. But other times he says, you know what? Be still and know that I am God. So in regards to your loved one, don't just do something to do something. No. Take this seriously. Ask the Lord. Ask the Lord to reveal his will. Seek his purposes and his plans. God, what are you asking me to do or not to do? And then here's the kicker. Obey what he says. But that's easier said than done. And again, since there are loved ones, we often lose patience with God. You ever lose patience with God? Absolutely. Have you ever lost trust that he actually loves our loved ones, feeling as though we're running out of time, and so we take back control of the reins, put on the costume, give it our best shot at accomplishing our plan? We've all had experiences of how that plays out. I know I've done this so much in my own life. We force our plans upon our loved ones, and more than not, it doesn't go well, right? It goes downhill, and it goes downhill fast, and we blame this on family dynamics, right? Oh, well, you know family. Family will be family. But the problem is much of how we engage with our unsaved family and friends, it's not flowing from the leading of the Holy Spirit. Instead, it's awkwardly flowing from human emotions. It's flowing from our flesh, where our words and our actions with our loved ones, they come from a place of fear, of worry, of anxiety, and stress. But Pastor Dan, I say the things I say because I love them. And this is true, you do love them. I believe you. In those situations, I believe you, you are operating from a place of love, but it's not a love that is always in step with God's love. Man, that's harsh. But sometimes it's true. Remember, God loves them more than you do. God made them. God created them. God misses them, and he wants them back. And so for us in this room, we have to come back to a place where we trust once again in his love and trust that out of his love, his great unfailing love for this world, including your loved ones, that he really does have a plan to save them. And you might need to wrestle with this a little bit, struggle with this a little bit. But once you get this settled, where you are wholly trusting in God's plan, then your role is to do whatever he might ask you to do according to his will whatever that might be, right? Stop striving, stop straining, just be free to do what he's asking you to do. This is where life becomes the grand adventure for anyone that is living the spirit-led and spirit-filled life. It is a beautiful life where we wholly trust God with our lives. 
Because aren't there just so many unique and creative ways that the Lord has called us to be a part of his salvation plan? Have you noticed that God is so creative in the ways that he reaches people? And so maybe he asks you to send a text or give a phone call or clean the house or wash your car or give some money. Who knows, right? There's countless things, numerous things that he might be asking you to do or not to do. But be free. Let the Lord lead you. Church, if you want to be a part of God's salvation plan for this world and his plan for your loved ones, we need to grow up in listening to God and actually obeying his plan instead of our own. Trust in the Lord. Trust in the Lord. Trust in the Lord. Trust that God really loves and misses his creation and he wants them back. Hold on to 2 Corinthians 5.18. 2 Corinthians 5.18 tells us this, that God is reconciling the world to himself in Christ not counting men's trespasses against them. Do you believe that for your loved ones, or is it only true of yourself? See, God's heartbeat and God's mission is to reconcile the world to himself, including your loved ones. Ponder upon that verse. Do you believe that verse? But he also wants to include you in this message of reconciliation. Look at what he says. He says, God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ, not counting men's trespasses against them. And, don't you love the and? And he has committed to us the message of reconciliation. Glory. If you are willing, if we are willing, if Pastor Dan is willing, he's going to use us right now. He will use every one of us in this room for his plan to bring people back to himself. I get so excited when I hang out with you because uh, the, the idea, the thought of this room being full of surrendered hearts who are committed to being a part of his salvation plan every day, oh, the advancement of his kingdom that could happen in our little community. Doesn't that just give you goosebumps? I love it. Not my plans, but yours be done. Not my will, but yours be done. Hallelujah. In the short time I have left, I just want to share two points of wisdom from Scripture. That help us know how to play our part in God's will, our part in God's plan. His will being done, his plans being done instead of our own. Number one, pray for your loved ones. Of course I pray for my loved ones. No, pray for your loved ones. The prayers of a Christian are more powerful and effective than we understand. But how you pray is very important. Listen to what Jesus says in Matthew chapter 9. These are verses 37 and 38. He says, he's talking to his disciples. He's talking to us. He says, the harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. And then catch this. He says, therefore, pray earnestly to the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into his harvest. Great verse, Pastor Dan, but what does that have to do with my family member who does not know the Lord? Well, Romans 10, 17 tells us that faith comes by hearing. Right? And hearing by the word of God. So it's important that the word of God is heard by your loved ones so that they have an opportunity to have faith rise up within them. But the reality is that your family member, your friend, your coworker, your classmate, they may not be willing to listen to you. In fact, you've been there before. The minute, even the second that you hint at talking about Jesus, what happens? They close up, they get defensive, they leave the room, they make every effort to let you know that I will never, ever, ever listen to you or become a Christian. Have you ever been in that room before? Wow, have I been in that room. But guess what, church? There's some good news here this morning. 
Because they might not listen to you, but God knows who they will listen to. And I believe that God loves them so much that he would send somebody halfway around the world just to talk to your loved one if that's what it takes. Again, God loves your loved one much more than you do. So when you pray, pray like Jesus commands us to pray. Pray to the Lord of the harvest. Father, I'm asking you to send laborers across my loved one's path. Laborers who are equipped with the word of God. Send laborers who can communicate effectively so that your word will reach their heart. Pray in the name of Jesus, Lord of the harvest. Send forth your laborers into the field. This is the prayer that grandma prays over her grandchild. This is the prayer that the parent prays over their child before she sends them off to college. This is the prayer of a spouse whose husband or whose wife has grown distant from the Lord. This is the prayer of a child who sees their parent shout and declare, there is no God. This is the prayer of anyone who sees a loved one who seems to be distant and lost away from God. Lord of the harvest, send forth your laborers into the field. And church, trust that the Lord will answer that prayer. So even if you feel they are unteachable and they are unreachable, believe that because God loves them and because he misses them, he's going to reach out to them. And he will send out workers into the harvest and believe that the Lord in his perfect timing, oh, is he going to give them an opportunity to respond to the good news of Jesus Christ. Do not give up. Pray to the Lord of the harvest. And when you pray, pray scripture over them. Because we get kind of whiny in our prayers. And God's good with that. But isn't there a powerful, powerful moment when you begin to pray Scripture, the eternal truths of God over your loved one? Often we just want God to spank them. (laughs) But instead, pray the truth of God's Word over them. Pray God's faithfulness over them. Pray His patience, His kindness, His grace, His mercy, His love over them. Pray Scripture over your loved ones. You know, I've noticed in my own life, as I pray Scripture over the people that I love, do you know what happens? Faith begins to rise up and build up within who? Within me. As the Word begins to flood me, the Lord begins to open my eyes to His great love for His people and His great plan for His people. So pray through Scripture. And this is also what happens. As you pray through Scripture, guess what? Your heart begins to be conformed into the image of Christ and your heart begins to be moved into alignment with the heartbeat of God. Have you ever been there? And it's like, wow, your eyes are open. You actually will start bawling too, right? Because you'll see the loss and you'll see God's passion for the loss and your heart begins to beat with that passion. Because Scripture reveals to us God's heart for the lost. Scripture reveals to us that Jesus diligently seeks the lost. Scripture tells us that God pursues and God finds. And as you pray, the Lord begins to reveal to you what He is calling you to do or not to do. And as you pray, this is what I honestly believe. As you pray and you pray through Scripture and your heart becomes into alignment with God's heart, He begins to strategically move and position your life to shine for His glory and to advance His kingdom. The truth of praying for your loved one is that when you pray for your loved one, you're praying that they would be moved and touched by God. But often the greatest miracle that happens is that you are moved and touched by God. Praying for your loved ones, it draws you closer to God. Pray to the Lord of the harvest. Send workers to your loved ones. Pray scripture over your loved ones, but also pray that your heart and your attitude might be in alignment with the heart and attitude of God. So pray for your loved one. And then I want to finish with this. Be prepared and ready to give an answer for the hope you have 
in Jesus. Amen. As you depend on God and his plan of redemption, his plan of salvation for the world, remember his plan does involve us. His plan is accomplished through you and through me. Listen to the scripture. It's a beautiful scripture. It comes from 1 Peter chapter 3. Always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give the reason for the hope that you have. And I love to include this little part at the end because sometimes we forget it. But do this with what? Say it with me. Gentleness and respect. So in your life, with your family and your friends, with your coworkers, your boss, your classmate, it's hard to keep hope alive. It is. Let's be honest. We're humans with a lot of emotions. And it's hard to keep hope alive when all they seem to do is ridicule you and mock your faith or get defensive when you bring Jesus into the conversation. We've all been there. But as much as it feels that way, I want to encourage you. They are watching you. They are observing how you live your life, how you handle the difficulties of life, how you walk through hardships, trials, and pain. And even though they might give you the cold shoulder for years, even decades, there is a good possibility that a time will come when they will ask you about your faith. And in that moment, with gentleness and with respect, you're going to be able to share the good news of Jesus Christ with them. I've asked... Jason here. I asked. I've asked my best friend, Jason, if I could share this story. And he's been gracious enough to let me share it. Jason and I have known each other since seventh grade. And we've had our highs, we've had our lows, we've had our ups, and we've had our downs. But we had a really big up in 2001. After years of hanging with Jason, taking him to concerts like Charles the Clay and DC Talk, we were on the same basketball team, we, we'd play pig and horse over at his house all the time. We, we hung out we were in college, uh, or when we were, um, I think in 1920, we were on the same church softball team, and, and we just had a blast together. And then somehow I convinced him to go to the University of Wyoming with me, and, and, and he was crazy enough to agree. And, but when we were there, we, we got into our dorm room, and, and very quickly we realized that the Lord was talking to Jason and talking to him in such a profound way that Jason was ready to give his life to the Lord. And I will never forget the moment of us sitting in our dorm room and me leading my friend in the sinner's prayer it was amazing. It was powerful. It was holy. But then, oh, what, three, four weeks <laughs> went by, and that powerful, tear-filled moment seemed like a distant memory. And for nine years, Jason stayed away from church. And oh, man, the, the range of emotions I felt during that time. You've felt these emotions before. What, what did I do wrong, right? What did I say wrong? Should I call him? Should I email him? How do I fix this? Anybody else a fixer in this room, right? How do I fix this? So much fear and worry within me about his life and over his relationship with the Lord. And then I moved to Spokane after I graduated. He stayed in Wyoming, and we didn't talk as much as we used to. But every once in a while, out of the blue it seemed, Jason would call me. I remember one time when I was in Spokane, Jason called, and he said, Dan, how do I pray? 
But then I wouldn't hear from him again for a long time. But we're still friends. I, I loved Jason, and Jason loved me. But then Jason, he moved back to the northwest from Wyoming, and I moved to Edgewood from Spokane. One Sunday, Pastor Chad, he invited me to preach. And it was going to be my first ever sermon on a Sunday morning. And so I called my friend. I called Jason. I said, Jason, would you be willing to come and watch? Because I need your encouragement. And I really did. And this is after nine years of not coming to church. But because he is my friend, because he loved me, he came to support me. And as you and I know, he just never left. <laughs> and now he's been coming for the past five, six years. And Jason is one of the most amazing influencers I know for the kingdom of God. He is a co-laborer in Christ, a minister of the gospel wherever he goes. And I'm always overwhelmed by our story because this is just the reality of life. I always kind of wanted to come in with my superhero Savior suit, and I wanted to save the day. And I tried that so often with Jason, and I always seemed to make a mess of it. But hallelujah, God's plan was bigger and better. God loved Jason more than I do. And God's plan for salvation for Jason was and is much better than any plan that I could come up with. And so God called Jason. God tugged at Jason's heart. God invited Jason into his family. But it was all according to God's timing and in God's perfect way. And as his friend who loves him very much, as I learned to surrender to God's plan for Jason, I then was able to play my part in God's plan. Nine years later, this was my part in the plan. Dan, invite Jason to church. Hallelujah. 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 And you can take comfort this morning that God has a plan for your friends and your family. He's going to tug at their heart. He will pursue them with his love. And if God ordains it, you will have an opportunity to play a part in his plan for their life. So be ready. Be ready in season and out. Be ready to share the good news of Jesus Christ with them. Be encouraged today, church. God misses his creation. He wants them back, and he's going to pursue them, and he will find them. If they're willing to stop and turn and repent of their wayward ways, God will find them. So pray for them. Pray that God would send laborers into the field, and church, be ready to give an answer for the hope that is within you that is found in Jesus Christ. We want to close this June series of I Miss You with this drama, and I hope this drama reminds us all that God really does love us, that he really does miss us and he wants us back. And today, the Lord, the reality, he has probably brought people to mind. There's probably someone that he's laid on your heart even now. But I want you to be reminded by his Holy Spirit that God has not given up on them. He continues to pursue them. Take comfort and encouragement that God loves them so very much more than you do. Amen. Do you ever get tired of your average, day-to-day, -day, boring existence? I know I sure do, or I should say, I did. So I decided to do something about it. You see, conventional wisdom says that you live your life, and as you grow older, your parents pass away and leave you what they had left, an inheritance. I'm sorry, but that's just not good enough for me. 
come on, give it to me now so I can really enjoy it. So I went straight up to my dad and I said, I want what's coming to me. <laughs> yeah, my youngest son comes up to me and he says, he actually says to me, I want what's coming to me. Oh, all I can think at that moment is, oh, you want what's coming to you? <laughs> I'll give you what's coming to you. I brought you into this world and I can take you right out of it. <laughs> and I can make another one just like you. <laughs> But he's my son, and I love him. So I said to him, if you think you can make a better life without me, then so be it. So he packed his bags, and the next thing I knew, I was out of there. Kiss that boring old place goodbye. There was a whole world out there waiting for me to discover it. So the first thing I did was, he got lost. <laughs> Listen, I love him, but he's no Magellan. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> In fact, I heard he had to ask for directions four times before he even got out of our dinky little town. That's not true. It was three times. And besides, one of those times, I couldn't even understand what the guy was saying. I just nodded my head and left. If someone would have taken the time to teach me more about directions... Uh, uh, don't go there. <laughs> Anyways, that's beside the point. The point is, I made it my way out of there, and I started to live it up. I had it all. More friends than I knew what to do with. The best clothes money could buy. I was eating like a king. And the ladies? Well, what can I say about the ladies? I can probably say a few things about the ladies. <laughs> they may have been women, but none of them were ladies. They were two ladies. Well, there was Connie and Sheila. They weren't really ladies. And Nancy and Becca, yeah, I guess, guess come to think of it, none of them were really ladies. Like I was saying. Oh, Miranda. What about Miranda? Now, she was a lady. Yeah, she was a lady of the evening. <laughs> okay, okay, never mind. So none of them were really ladies. But the friends, the food, the clothes, man, it was awesome until... He ran out of money. Oh, yeah, right about the time, went into the country, went into this great recession. He ran out of money. I looked for work. I, I really tried. Everywhere I applied, they said you needed five years' experience for an entry-level position. So I searched and I searched. Finally, I got a job as a manager. Eh. Well, not really a manager, but an associate. Eh. Okay, uh, I was a bacon prep assistant. Which means? I took care of the pigs. <laughs> Man, I couldn't believe my life had come to this. I'd wasted everything my father had given me. I didn't really have any money to speak of. No clothes, no food to eat, no place to stay. Sometimes it got so bad I would have eaten the scraps that I was feeding the pigs, but I couldn't. They wouldn't let me. And so I wondered, what was it like living so hungry day after day in misery day after day? Day after day. Day after day, I watched and I waited, and I ached in my heart like only a parent can ache. But I never gave up on him. I never gave up on him. I believed that one day he would return. I just knew one day it would happen. One day. One day it hit me. Back at my father's house, his lowliest worker was doing better than I was. They had food to eat, place to stay. They were living like kings. And so I started to wonder. What if he never comes back? What if I never see my son again? What if he never comes home again?
again and again, I ran things through my head as I made the long journey back to my father's house. I knew what I would do. I'd humbly ask him to hire me back as one of his workers. Couldn't ask for a handout, and I definitely couldn't ask him to take me back as his son. But maybe if I asked to work for him, just maybe he'd let me. Maybe. Every morning I would wake up and I would say, maybe today's the day. Maybe today's the day I see my son again. I'll be, I'll be sitting here waiting, and, and I'll see him way off in the distance, making his long journey back home. Home. It's a word that describes so many things. Care, comfort, security, acceptance, love, all that. And I was just a few hundred yards away from it now. It's a beautiful day. I was sitting on the front porch, enjoying the cool breeze. And I looked off, and I saw him in the distance. He stood up out of his chair and looked my direction, squinted his eyes to get a better view of me. I wondered what he was thinking. I wondered what he thought of me. Was he going to say, I told you so? I told you so. I told you so. Some of you would just roll your eyes when I would talk about my son, but I told you so. I told you that one day he would come back. I never gave up on him. I knew. I just knew he was going to be angry. The closer I got, I knew I made the wrong decision. So I just stopped. He just, he just stood there. I couldn't move. I, I couldn't just stand there, so... He jumped. He actually jumped off the porch. I'd never seen him do that before. He was like a little kid all excited about something, and then it hit me. He was excited about me. So what did I do? You know what I did next? I, I ran. ran. I mean, my heart was pounding. All I could do was run to him. I'd never seen him run so fast. His arms outstretched to me as if to say, welcome home. Welcome home, welcome home. I just kept shouting it. I didn't know if he could hear me or not, but I just kept running and shouting to him, welcome home. And as I got closer, I could see the tears coming down his face. He was crying. Tears of joy. You know what my son did next? He jumped. I actually jumped. I was so excited, so, so scared that I... I jumped, and my father? I, I, well, I fell back. I mean, he's a big, strong kid. But, but I caught him, and I hugged onto him, and I held him, and I just squeezed him tight. He hugged me. My father embraced me like only a father can. I said, I'm sorry. I can't ask your forgiveness. Can you call me your son again? My son. My son is back. Bring fresh clothes. Put shoes on his feet. Bring him a meal. No, not a meal. A feast. For my son will no longer be called an orphan. My son will no longer live as an orphan. He is home. All of our hopes have come true. I guess it was grace and hope that kept me going. I hope that my father would have mercy on me. I hope that in some way he'd take me back. I hope that I could be forgiven. Forgiven. Everything is forgiven. I'll never bring it up again. There's no shame. There's no blame. There's no anger. There's nothing but joy. For my son was lost, and now he is found. Would you bow your heads with me? Let's pray. Lord, I thank you so much for for you, for this love of the Father, this pursuing love, this love that runs and embraces, hugs and kisses. Lord, it's such an encouragement today. This service is an encouragement to know that you have not given up, 
Some people say that you're slow in returning, but you're not slow. You're just patient. <laughs> you're patient because you do not want anyone to perish, and you're patient with us, God. I pray for this room, Lord, that this would be a collective response of your sons and your daughters coming back to their father. Lord, any area where we need to repent, may you work in that area right now. May there be a light that illuminates in the darkness. May we turn from our wicked ways. May we turn from any area where we've wandered or gone astray from your perfect plan and your perfect will for our lives. God, for those who don't know you yet, Lord, I pray that in this moment they might call on the name of the Lord. They might choose to believe in you, that you did die for their sins, that you did pay the penalty for their sins, and that if you turn and repent, that they can have everlasting life, everlasting life in your everlasting love. We thank you, Jesus, for that. Even now, and if that's you, just begin to speak to the Lord. Just tell him that you love him. Tell him that you want to accept his sacrifice on the cross. Tell him that you're ready to live for him. And the beauty of uh, that is it's not just a neat little dialogue between you and the creator of the universe. It's actually a moment where he will make all things new. He will take you and you will be born again, regenerated, made new. Where the old is gone, the new has come. That as you call upon the Lord, he will save you. But he doesn't just put a band-aid on you. He makes you new. Even now, he can make you new. He can make you new. God's really good at making things new. That even now, you can be born again, born again born again, saved by the precious blood of Jesus. And for those in this room that have wandered from the Lord, the good news is that he is not here to condemn you. He is not here to uh, shame you. He is not here to bring guilt upon you. The guilt has already been paid. <laughs> the condemnation has already been paid. Jesus bore that on the cross. All you have to do is turn, knowing that he's already with you. <laughs> he's already in you. And so if you're a Christian who's wandered from his presence, right now he's just whispering, I'm with you. I'm here. I love you. I never left you. I never wandered away from you. And so, God, we thank you for your love this morning. As we sing and as we celebrate and as we leave this place and as we go into our week, Lord, would you remind us that you love us? But also, would you remind us, God, that you love our family? You, you, you remind us that you love our spouse. You love our friends. You love our coworker. You love our classmate. That, God, you love the world. And God, even though in our flesh and in our humanness, it is hard to keep hope. It is hard to stay positive that, God, you are not weary. <laughs> you have not grown faint. You are as strong as you ever were. You're as mighty as you ever was. God, you are still on your throne. You reign, and your kingdom will come on this earth as it is in heaven. And so I pray that you would pursue, that you would be the hound of heaven, that your strong feet would follow after our loved ones. And that, God, they would have the opportunity to say yes to you, God. We pray that you would send laborers into the fields, Lord. You would send workers into the harvest, Lord. That you would know according to your plans and your desires, you would know exactly who you need to send into our loved one's life. Would you send them right now in the mighty name of Jesus? And, Lord, would you also just even now equip us and prepare us that we would be ready to give an answer for the hope that we have in your son, Jesus Christ. That at such a time as this, when we know it is a holy moment, a divine moment, where our friend or our family member comes in a reality where the guard is down, where the fences have been opened, and where their battle lines have been wiped away, that when they are ready to receive the good news of Jesus Christ, that we would be ready to speak life and love into their lives, Lord. Help us, Jesus. Help us, Lord. I do not believe that my words right now 
are ineffective. I do not believe my words are wasted. I do not believe that right now at this moment we are wasting oxygen or wasting time. I believe this is the divine moment where eternities will be changed forever and ever as we see your will be done, your plans be done. We have a great expectation for your move, God, that you are moving even now as we speak. So God, have your way. Have your way. Your kingdom come. And all God's people said, Amen.